0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Comedian's Paradise. This is a podcast where we speak to scintillating, adventurous, and very unique and interesting individuals. These are people who inspire comedians like you and me and help us live this comedy journey on our own terms. If you like this episode... Share it, your friends, give us a five star review on Amazon and iTunes. Today's guest is the remarkable and magnificent Jim Howarth. He is one of the best comedy promoters in the UK and runs Comedy Hotspot. One of the best comedy chains and comedy clubs in the whole country. He's booked every name you could possibly imagine and he gives an in-depth look at what a lot of comedy shows do wrong, what his shows do right, the commitment and dedication, the blood, sweat and tears he puts into putting on a world-class show that fits the needs of him, the, com- the comedians, the venue and the audience. And this is the episode for you if you're thinking about putting on a comedy show. Or if you're comedy if you're currently running shows, what you may be doing wrong. He is absolutely honest, frank, and a terrific guest. I think without further ado, there is nothing more to say. Let's speak to Jim. Is that is that sort of something that has always been with you? Like from your, because I hear um, that you were like Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> maybe,
1: maybe maybe Gordon Ramsay might have something to say about that. Um, um, comedy hasn't. Uh, well, comedy has been around me all my life. I think um, even growing up before I joined the military, um, I was a huge Laurel and Hardy fan. I, I have massive respect for Stan Laurel, um, and and for somebody who can make people laugh hundred years. 120 years after he was born, um, that, that's a special skill in itself. Um, so, so ever since I, I saw uh, Stan Lowell, I always enjoyed comedy. I joined the military as a chef when I was about 16, 17. And, um, and in the Royal Navy, you have, to, you have to be resourceful when you're at sea because there's nothing to do. So you're constantly putting shows on. Um, uh, and I very quickly got involved in that. Um, I, I did uh, a comedy radio show. Interviewed some comedians as, as, as part of that back in the 90s. Um, I wrote a comic, a magazine, which was perhaps, perhaps wouldn't be a load now, but um, um, it was just kept in-house within the crew, but it was um, a comedy, comic type thing. And um, even down to things um, on aircraft carriers where you would create your own game of deal or no deal or things like that. So you've got to be resourceful when you're at sea. And that's where I think live entertainment just stayed with me. When I left the Navy, um, after 23 years, I joined the corporate world, um, which was still in a military environment, managing multi-million pound corporate contracts for the military. Um, And part of what I did was deliver live entertainment um, in a number of bars that were on um, these bases. Um, Along came um, a comedy tour, uh, um, an RAF comedy tour by a different promoter, a guy called Chris Gilbert, um, organised a UK comedy tour of the RAF. Came to my RAF base that I was the general manager of. I fell in love with just that format. My first show was horrendous. I, I pretty much made every mistake you could make. Um, but um, but anybody who knows me knows that if I don't if I do something badly, I want to. If I have a weakness, I want it to be my strength. So I very quickly um, turned into the best the best shows on the UK tour for the RAF. Um, and I did that by by researching what good looks like, really, um, and that's that's started this thing inside me that made me want to be a comedy promoter. Um, fast forward to about four years ago, two thousand sixteen, I'd say two thousand seventeen, um, when I set up Comedy Hotspot alongside a corporate job. Um, but it was all a bit. It was all a bit of a challenge. I was doing about eighty hours a week in the corporate world, and then doing gigs at night, and uh, and it nearly killed me. I had a heart attack. Um, went went back to work, realised that I'd lost any passion I had for my corporate work, and gave up a very 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 well paid job to um, give comedy a go full time, and that's where I am today unemployed with no comedy business because of a pandemic <laughs>
0: <laughs> but slowly re-emerging
1: yes i will i will re-emerge uh i will um i will climb back to where i was and beyond uh, i have no doubt about it
0: so i mean do you, so do you, are you we mentioned before in a podcast that people tend to make excuses and they think of the the negatives but what you just said there's maybe an example of what you said there about trying to focus on the positives that instant you had about <laughs> Maybe it's a touchy subject where you had that attack, heart attack. Maybe, I mean, you wouldn't maybe be in the position you are now doing what you love and enjoy. I, I would not
1: I was doing a job that I didn't enjoy. I was doing it for money, and that should never be why you do anything. Um, uh, uh, and, I, and I'm not in a privileged position where I can say that because I have money. I, I, I don't, I was comfortable before the pandemic. No, I'm not. Um, but I would not go back to the corporate world just to make that finance give me that financial stability comedy will still be my, my future um, but I was dreading going to work in the morning you know when you're going to work and you're making people redundant and, and sacking people and doing all that kind of horrible stuff because it's the corporate world and they're driven by numbers and they said Jim you need to lose 20 people by the end of June these people had built that business up to be a flagship RAF base across the UK and now I've, those people who put all that hard work in for me, I'm all of a sudden in a position where I'm going to say, well, thanks. But now we're there. I don't need you, you, you and you and uh, away you go. Um, and and I did, that didn't sit comfortably with me. I'd done it too many times. I weren't going to do it anymore. So um, the fact that I had to make some of my friends redundant was one of the reasons. My health was the main reason. I didn't want to fall back into ill health. And I wanted to wake up in the morning feeling positive about what I did and not negative. And that's why I'd made the decision not to go back.
0: Hmm. And you were really enjoying the company. That's why you switched to it.
1: There's nothing better. I don't think um, there's a lot. I mean, people do it differently. And I'm, I'm well aware that I, I do quite a bit differently to a lot of other people. But I'd say that's probably because I'm, you know, that, that's what stands me apart from quite a lot of other people. And 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 I don't say that from a blase position. I say that because I think it's it's true, and a lot of people tell me that. Um, and and because I put so much work, effort, and energy in, and, th- and 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 that is a real key thing. I I apply that effort and energy, whether I'm doing a gig in a theatre that's a 500 seat theatre, or it's in a room for 15 people. They get the same glitz and glamour. They get the same setup. They get the same light show. They get the same everything, because those people who've paid their money at that show have come for the best possible experience they've paid 15 pound or whatever the ticket price is why should they get a lesser experience because they're in a smaller room than those who go to a theater and watch watch the same show so for me I, i i i'm disappointed if i go to a show and the numbers aren't great but i switch that off really quite quickly because my focus is on the audience and their enjoyment no matter how many of them are there
0: and when you watch that enjoyment, that's the that's the feeling you go and that's,
1: chase. That's the buzz. That's the buzz, and there's um the buzz of audience members, because c- uh feedback is vital in any environment you operate in. Um, you know, um you can't be stubborn enough to just think what you're doing is the best. You've got to you've got to hear the good and not so good. Um, so I go in intervals and talk to audience members. I'm on the door when they're leaving. I'm on the door when they they arrive. So that i can talk to those people but also the enjoyment of comedians when comedians tell me that it's one of the best gigs they've ever done there's people who've been on tv who have said to me that's one of the best gigs i've ever done in a theater thank you jim and 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 when you see comments from from well-known people who, who who have done your shows who have said it's one of the best experiences they've had you could tell you run a proper shot that's that's the validation I get from from those people. You look after those people; they look after me by going on stage and being brilliant. If I treat them, mm. if I treat them with a lack of respect or I don't care about them, or they, they're sitting in a green room that's grubby, dirty, they've not even got a bottle of water in there to, to, for them. It, it, they mm. they just they're, just they're just down anyway, and then they've got to go on stage. And part of their challenge is to get themselves up to perform. Um, when they're feeling unloved so yeah if they leave happy and the audience leave happy then I'm happy and that's the buzz I get
0: yeah and you it seems that you try and really put an effort into creating the right atmosphere and feeling around the place for everyone and do you, does it also go with the venue staff as well and around that do you try and
1: Does the process for me starts with the, the, the very first, if I find a venue or somebody find, finds me and says, we'd love to have a comedy show, um, the, the, the process for me starts from that point onwards. Um, how was my interaction with the individuals who are who at the venue? When I go to the venue, I, I'm, I, don't, I don't get blinkered by the fact I've got another, sh- oh, there's another show here. I could, I could get another show and make a few quid. Uh, I, I never do that. It's... it's it's as easy for me to say no, thank you, that it is to say. Um, it's harder for me to say yes than it is to say no. Um, I turn venues down all the time, mainly because I don't think the room is right. There's, um, it's on the doorstep of something else that I don't want to compete with. Um, I don't, I don't like the uh, the venue management and that attitude because I will talk to them and I will ask them what their opinion is on this, that, the other. How do they, what, um, you know? And I'll say, oh, I see you've got a new promo on Sunday lunch. um um, have you been promoting that and 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 they and their reaction to that they might be thinking why is he asking about our sunday lunch but i just want to see what their passion is to to promoting something and if if they just say oh it's just on our chalkboard and then uh, we put it on our facebook page occasionally that shows me that that's the bread and butter business that they're not paying a huge amount of attention to so why they're going to pay attention to my show Um, once you've found a venue and you find people you want to work with and the room is right you then work with a budget, and again, if the budget's too tight, I won't do it. I won't compromise the quality of what I want to do. Um, hmm. I started off. It's important to say when I started doing shows, I started doing uh, triple headliner shows, and I, I and I did that quite purposely um, um, because I wanted people to come back to my shows. So I had to stack yeah. every. I had to stack every bill. And, and that's not what someone further down the ladder wants to hear but i from a business perspective and a selfish perspective i had to get people coming through my doors on a regular basis who could trust that i knew what i was doing when i was putting lineups together and it was only at that point that i started to experiment by bringing uh people who were on the rise rising stars giving people um trial spots all that kind of stuff came along for, for, uh, down the line once people thought Jim's given this person ten minutes. He must, he must think a lot of them, and that's sort of the process that 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 happened there. Um, but so that's if it's a triple headliner show. If people want have a lower budget and want something, so I I I do anything from theatres. My local pub is four hundred yards from where I'm sitting. Nobody in their right mind would put a gig in there because it is in the middle of nowhere. But I put a gig in the conservatory in there and we get 30 or 40 people in there but he gets all the glitz all the glamour all the lights all the stage backdrops uh, and i use that show for different purposes I, I use that show to see people who i've not seen before to promote them to all the biggest shows people who want to come and try out if there's an agent that says oh, you haven't booked any of my acts i'll say give me four send them along and we'll uh, we'll put a show together based on your acts everybody gets paid i've um, I, I've only ever not paid one act and that was on their insistence, not mine and I wasn't comfortable with it uh, and that was um, a comedian who gave a lift to my headliner who wanted to do 10 minutes to show me what he could do the headliner said he was great I said I will pay him and he said no, no, no no, he wants to do it for free I was uncomfortable with that, he went on performed for free and I now book, book, book that comedian regularly So, um, um, too many people out there that I think um Abuse that situation,
0: yeah.
1: where where they will try and get a line up for next to nothing. I have been in rooms where comedians have been there who've been paid ten pound and had over a two hundred mile round trip for a tenner, because they've wanted you know and, and and they've wanted stage time. They've wanted whatever the reasons for doing it. I don't know, but I'm not comfortable. That's not comfortable for me. Um, uh, so um, I just think it's a bit exploitative so i, I i'm i not a subscriber to that
0: oh god man i tell you what if you came down to london you'd probably be shocked at what goes on down there yeah yeah and
1: <laughs> and, and, and and i guess i get that um there's comedians who will do um, a new material night like, for their own benefit and that's a, i think i think and i know a lot of pros who run uh, new material nights uh, who, who provide a platform for somebody to come along and spend seven minutes doing some jokes and I get that I get that that is a different thing that is a different thing to what is being billed not as an open mic night not as a new material night what is being billed as a comedy night and if it's being billed as a comedy night I think people should be paid as paid, paid properly and I think it should be run properly and, and not there might be people listening to me now or watching this thinking that, um, what is he saying? What is he doing? But that's just the way I am. Uh, um, I, so I don't, like, I don't like exploiting people. Um, um,
0: yeah. Yeah, because I, I mean, I've run a few shows myself in London. And one of the things that I do encounter a lot is that, like, um, what's it called? There's, I had to um, leave a venue that I was working with because I I just, like, they, I said that, I, for, for me, with a comedy show, I don't think comedy shows should be right close to each other. You know you see shops with cafes or whatever next to each other. If you've got comedy clubs that are right next to each other in the same place, I don't feel that benefits anyone. And I, I said no. that as a statement, that I wouldn't work with that. And then they go and set up a night, another night, without telling me. So I had to leave, because it's just like...
1: Yeah, the only... Um... Uh, it, it's it's a funny old thing that, that the um so if i'm in a new if, if i'm in a new area um i always do my re- I'll, I'll do my research if i can before i go to the venue but i will ask the venue as well i'll say oh do you know of any other comedy nights in the area so if i'm going into let's take boston where i live for instance now i have shows i have three shows around boston but they're completely different styles of shows and and, and the, there's an argument to say that that can work, and as long as you don't saturate an area with comedy. So so for that, I will use um, the mm. local the local demographic. How many people live here? What is that demographic made up of? Um, are they comedy fans? And that can be about a five or six mile radius of of Boston itself. And then if that number is say one hundred thousand, I can I I have a way of work that I work out how many shows a year I think hundred thousand people can sustain. And then I think right okay well if that so my local pub only does two a year and it's a completely different, it's a, it's a Wednesday night show where it's people, it's a tr- people trying out. So they don't get as much money on a Wednesday as they would on a Saturday. Um, but still that's a different show than the theater in Boston where I do eight a year um, because that's my main, that's my main show. So, but if someone else comes along and, and I think, well, there's probably space for two and they want 12, then I wouldn't do it. If it's two and I say, well, that's a triple headliner show, I don't think you can compete with a triple headliner show. Therefore, maybe you do an open mic night or something different. Because that would be a different thing to that. But then you would deconflict dates. You would deconflict lineups. You would work with the venue. So I I go to venues, and and some people aren't receptive. But where people are receptive and you can date clash, uh, avoid date clashes and lineup clashes, all that kind of stuff – um it it, it works it works pretty well so you can coexist okay. as long as you as, as long as you got the right people coexisting two venues next door is really difficult you know or, or that in close proximity boston very much. so so there's this one's one side of boston one's the other side yeah. of boston so there's a six mile gap so uh and, and realistically people aren't coming to my local pub twice a year that's just locals who who, who come to that really and some friends of Friends that that I, I drag along for most gigs, so it's um so you can coexist, um, but I think the key is is just communication with all parties. People get protective if your gig is good enough, you shouldn't feel threatened by something else popping up. Um, hmm. If they pop up yeah. aggressively and are clashing dates, booking similar lineups, so it, it, that that then becomes a problem. Um, but um, there are ways, but it takes adults to be able hmm. to make that work i think i think um but you're yeah. right to walk away from a situation you're not happy with though so if i'm ever in a situation yeah. where i just think this is not right no matter what it is whether you're right yeah. or wrong you're right i think you're right to walk away from a situation like that because you you felt it was the right thing to do um, yeah. never never do anything for other people's reasons I, I i if if ultimately i'm in this to make money so are the venue. Um, it's no good if one of you is making money and the other one isn't, because yeah. they'll they'll quickly get rid of you if they're making no money. Um so if both people are making money and it's hammer couple, then great. Um, but if not, I step away. And I've stepped away from some really nice venues, but it's not been working. So I just think
0: I'll walk away from this. Yeah. As you and you said at the start, it's all about the name and the brand. Mm. And yeah, I, I had something similar as well. I was asked to do a wedding but I got, I've not booked a wedding before, so I got some advice and I could see from what they were saying that it wasn't going to be a good show and I'll get paid a bit of money, but I thought... My advice, don't do, do, do it. To... <laughs> yes. Don't do it because there there's, there's people
1: who don't know about comedy who say, oh, we want a comedian. People have not gone there for a comedian. They go to comedy clubs for a comedian. They go to a wedding to get pissed and to celebrate a wedding. To have a comedian pop up halfway through telling some gags, it's just not, it's not what people are there for. It's the same with birthday parties. People say, oh, I've got, can you come around my house? I've got 30 people in the garden. It's a birthday party. We want a comedian. They're not there for that. They're not there for that. And I've turned, I've turned some decent money down because I don't want people to say I saw a comedy hotspot show at a wedding and it was awful.
0: Yeah, I, it's also a big thing as well. I mean, like a wedding—if it goes down well, you're ruining someone's big day.
1: Yeah, it's um, yeah. Wed- who in their right mind thinks that weddings are a good place to put a comedy gig on? I don't. I don't know. People will take it for the money, though. You'll always find somebody who'll say yes. Yeah, it's and it's <laughs> and it's it's damaging. I think it damages the industry. I think I think we should be a little more robust in what we say yes to. Um, I really do. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I I had a conversation with a New York um, comedy promoter and he said that um, one of the hardest things he's had to do when setting up another night that's already um, been going on is that if that's gone badly, he has to try and recover that faith and he finds that the hardest thing to do.
1: Yeah, which is why if you put it, all your energy into the, into the lead up and build up, the, the nuts and bolts of, of the two-and-a-half-hour show should just fall into place. If you've left nothing to chance, if you've focused on every minor detail, if every single little thing, the toilet rolls in the toilets, now the staff at the venue should check that, but I always go and check that because there's nothing worse than delays in the bathrooms to getting people sat back down during an interval because they can't get served because they've not been able to go to the toilet, and then your interval's 30 minutes long and not 20 it, and that's all triggered because there's a queue for toilet rolling. You know what I mean? So just get rid of that thing. And it might be tiny, but get rid of it. Make sure that it doesn't happen. Here's the hand soap, leather and it? I check all of that. I check all of that. And people might say, that's not your job to do that. It's my job to make sure that the environment people walk in to experience my show is as good as it can be. Um, and uh, and that's why I do it. Um,
0: and these things matter. I mean, do, do you also, like, go and make sure that you're... How long do you go before the actual show starts to make sure that things are in place?
1: I, I've always been a fan of if I could turn up if I could turn up at 10 in the morning, I'll be there at 10 in the morning, it, that's, I, I give the whole day for unless I've had a show the night before, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking lunchtime onwards. If I can get in the venue and I'm not in the way, I, I'll get there as early as I can. and if it's local, I'll go back home again. Uh, and once I set up. I, I, like, I, like, I do not like leaving things to chant. Um, and if you turn up last minute, I, I've seen too many gigs where people have walked in at seven o'clock and started setting up, and then all of a sudden said, oh, this le- it was working last night. Why is this not working? And then the show's done. I, sp- I have spared everything. So if something, even the power cable for my soundboard, I have a spare one of them, just in case. So I, nothing is left to chance. Um, and uh, once it's set up and how I want it, if the venue has set the chairs up, I will recheck them to check there's sufficient spacing. They're close enough to the front of the stage. Um, if they've put a centre aisle, which I'm not a fan of, um, I'll change. I, I, I. Nothing. Everything is as I like it. Nothing is left to chance. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I spend as much time as I can. And if I'm sitting around for three hours twiddling my thumbs, brilliant. My job is done.
0: Mm. And that's that's. What do you find? What sometimes I f- I find a situation where um, you want things yeah. So once you've agreed everything with them, have you had it where where the venue start trying to tinker with the show or they try and like?
1: I I I the the venue are there all the time and I come and go. Um, so they will get feedback from the audience, but but for every show I do, I try. I'm a big fan of three sixty degree feedback. So so for. for people who may not know what that is, I want feedback about me just as much as I want feedback about you and I want feedback about the audience. So every single person gets critiqued almost. So I'll get the venue to give me their opinion on how the show ran, what they thought about the show. It's important the venue make money and they sell quantity in terms of alcohol, food, whatever it is they're selling on the night. Did something not quite work as planned? Did they uh, struggle behind the bar because they thought the intervals were? Um, there's because, because I've run multiple bars and I'm an ex-chef and, and worked in hospitality, there's loads of information I can do to help them make that faster and slicker. Um, so I'll get that feedback so the next show we can fix any challenges that they had. But I also want the audience to tell me. So because of where I sell my tickets and I'm just working on something with the ticket platform that I use, Joke Pit, um that um moving forward i want every single audience member that's purchased tickets online to give me feedback about the, the lineup the comedians so it's important that if i've got four comedians on a bill and i'm using these four comedians all over the uk if they're scoring four and five but one of them is consistently scoring twos and threes i need to understand why that is Are they not suitable for the audiences I'm putting? Because different audiences, if I'm in the middle of the countryside in a little leafy hollow, um, that's going to be a slightly different audience than it is if it's it's in a city centre on a Saturday night. So I need to understand the audience demographics. So I know who I'm putting in front of people. So if if I've got some village hall gigs that this comedian scores low on, but when he's in the cities he's scoring high on, then I, that's good information for me to make sure I'm getting the right lineups because I don't just pick four comedians that are free. I really work on making sure the lineup matches my audience, but also each other. So you're not got four comics talking about football or sex or politics. Um, different styles, um, all sorts of different things go into uh, building that um, lineup. So so um, that feedback about. What what works, what doesn't work on a show, what the audience liked, what they didn't like, all that kind of stuff is useful for the venue. It's useful for me, um, particularly in the beginning when you're dealing with a new venue. Um, because so I I, I tend to I, I tend to use the same comedians to launch shows, mainly because I know that they're versatile enough for me to say, please don't drop the C bomb, no swearing or whatever. Um, so that you know that they're versatile enough to be able to do that and then i can build on that i can talk during the intervals or style you know do you, do you like peter cage you like michael mcintyre jimmy Carter, da, da, da. and just by them answering questions about famous comedians it gives me an idea as to what sort of comedians or comedy styles they were like based on who's on the circuit so but it's all it's all it's all energy and effort to get it right and you put the more you put in the more you'll get out of it and um taking risks on a lineup with comedians you've never seen before <clears throat> is is risky and and because that could sink your night that comedian goes off and does other gigs but that's your night that you've then got to get those people back again so um it's, it's it's um because i have so many gigs to book it's difficult for me to book comics i've seen i do base it on recommendations sometimes but i've got five or six comics that are at the top of their game in the UK, friends who I trust, they tell me opinion on anybody. I will never share what they what they say to me about certain comedians. Um, they will get older me instinctively and just say, oh, Jim, I've just been on a bill with such a body. Brilliant. Get them booked. That is, you know, I booked John Thompson. I didn't have to see John Thompson. He's been on the Fast Show and Cold feet and stuff like that. So I didn't see him and booked it. So, so you can take some risks with people like that, but... um, um outside of that i don't like taking risks so again how do i combat that i go to comedy gigs in my spare time i regularly go down to london on on sunday mondays and tuesdays where i will just move around london from new material to different just different nights so i can see people in action new material nights are not great for seeing people's sets because it's new material, but you can get a feel for a funny comedian and what the delivery is like, and you how professional they are on stage, all that kind of stuff. Funny people are funny people. Um, and and it, it's it's invaluable uh, to go and see. So I get invited by comedians who, who say, come and see me, I'm in Lincolnshire. Um, or if I'm in London, please let me know. So the last time I did this in London, I went and saw a lady, she was brilliant. I know Booker on all sorts of shows. There was, um, uh, I told you about the guy that came and asked if he could do 10 minutes for free. I book him regularly now. Um, I, I've been to shows and seen people and I haven't liked them. I saw someone have a car crash gig in Lincoln. It was awful. The, the room was dreadful. It was, it was the room's fault. But the interesting thing about that is one comedian stood out in terms of how they handle that. Uh, compared to the others, and I booked that um, comedian. I booked that comedian as much as anybody else, based on the fact that he didn't have a good night. But it wasn't his fault, and I'm professional enough to know that it was the room and the atmosphere that was all wrong. But the other two bombed massively, and he still got some laughs, uh, but dealt with it in a really, really good way. To the point now where I use him as, as much as anybody I use, and and it's so you've got to know what you're looking for. Um, uh, and researching, and go out go out and see comedians
0: and that, that's quite an interesting thing because I, I find, yeah, when I've seen gigs that have not been as everyone wants, like the perfect lighting, the perfect things, and would you say those type of gigs really separate the chaff from the because yeah the...
1: yeah and, and and the other thing I'm looking for when I'm in a, when I'm in a room is I'm looking at the audience as well because I don't book comedians because I find it funny. The audience needs to find a funny, not me. It doesn't matter if I have four comedians or I, I, I think are completely unfunny, but if the audience are rolling around with laughter, they're paying the money, they're buying the tickets. It's for them, not me. So so audience reaction is is brilliant. Uh, and and I've seen comedians where people have said, oh, I love him or I love her, and I've gone and seen them, and the audience have just been flat, and I just think they've they've not got the audience, and they're, they're struggling to get them back. And the room is fine. The room setup looks great. Other comedians have performed here, but they've struggled a bit. And uh, and uh, so there's so much you can learn um, in in a room of people. But if if the room setup is wrong, it kills it on so many levels. It kills it on so many levels. And that's you know that's why I, I say you've got to get everything right to a gig. From people walking in, I'm I'm on the door welcoming people, having a laughing a joke and saying, oh hey, well, where are the rules? We got rules here. Um, don't think you can come in here and be where you want to, so ladies, so if there's two ladies here, okay, yeah, you've been here before no, right, no throwing you under at the stage none of that, no fighting, no drugs in here and and you have a laugh with them at the door but when they go in they know that they're not allowed to film and they're not allowed to talk or echo and they know that Because they've had a conversation, there's a big pop-up banner with it on, and when they get into the room, there's posters that say, please don't talk or echo while the action on stage. Please don't don't film the show. Take photographs and post them, but don't film. And so that's in their mind. When they go to the bar, they see those pictures. So subconsciously, you're getting these little messages, which all work towards creating that perfect environment. I teach the venue how to look out and spot and interact with audience members who who are chatty. A new show is bad for it because people don't know how to behave. But if you just lean in and say, "Do you mind not talking while the action on stage?" and then going back over at an interval and saying, oh, "I'm sorry, I had to lean in, but um, we could hear you at the back," and people just understand. And having that gentle conversation in the early days is really, really useful um, because it just manages people's expectations. They know they're coming in. People pay money to come and see jokes. If you want to talk, go outside. Um, and, and once you've managed people's expectations, that's great. But it all feeds in. Are the seats in the right place? Is it set up? Is the lighting right? Um, can you can you change? Um, so is, if, if you're in a room that's got no curtains and it's in the summer and the room is really light, you, you're going to struggle a little bit with atmosphere. You want a comedy room dark. It's it's intimate. Uh, one of the best gigs I ever went to was only 40, 50 people in it. But it was it was really dark and it was a small small compact room and it was a brilliant brilliant atmosphere and i've i've seen comedy at the o2 arena and it's just not it's just not the same
0: oh i I agree i haven't seen it
1: yeah so it's um so yeah i can't under i can't stress enough the importance of attention to detail that level of detail and getting every. some people may well just i have just Comedy hotspot mugs in the green room. People walk in and walk away with these. I give these to the comedians. They feel special because they're walking away with a four-quid mug. And all I say is just post it on Facebook somewhere or social media and just tell people you did my gig. And then it helps get my brand out there. Um, I, I look after the comedians in the green room. They get, they get a rider. I spend about 40 quid every show on making sure, and I, I make notes on every comedian. So I know... Um, <laughs> If a certain comedian comes from uh, – uh, so if Dave Longley comes to my show, there's specific things that, that I know Dave Longley liked, So I'll make sure they're in the green room. If there's uh, somebody who's a vegan and I know that, I'll make sure that not all – that, that there are vegan-friendly snacks in there. All, I, know, I know certain comedians drink green tea because I've kept notes on these things. There'll be green tea in the green room when that comedian walks in. And 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 very very simple things like that. There's always water on stage. Fresh bottles of water on stage. Loads of bottles of water. They get a free bar. That people paying four quid for a pint of coke when they're turning up to work is just wrong. You know. So people should be looked after in these venues. These people are the backbone of my show, and we're we're, we're expecting them to go and buy their own drink before they go on stage. I, I, I it's just not something I subscribe to. So they get properly looked after. Uh, I even have a policy that. Um, I have a zero tolerance for um, abuse in the workplace. So uh, every comedian that works for me uh, has to be aware of this. And uh, and if they um, if they behave in a manner that I find is unbefitting, or someone in that green room finds unbefitting, they'll never work for me again. Um, and that people people cannot come to work and feel vulnerable uh, in any way, shape, or form. It's got to be a relaxed environment. Um, if if I think I, if people are getting on trains and can, and coming to a a, a a dimly lit remote train station in the middle of nowhere, there's somebody waiting for them. There, they're not they're not stood there alone, lost, worried about where they are or what could happen to them. Make these people feel comfortable, valued. They will blow it off. They, they will they will blow the roof off your gig every single time. And that is one of the reasons why so many comedians speak. The way they speak about me because um I look after them.
0: Which is what most promoters don't do.
1: Yeah, and it's um it's it's, it's getting 100%. people um, it's getting people to um I don't know how we fix that because it's we're all self-employed. So I'm not I do what I'm telling you, what I do. I'm not saying what other people do is right or wrong. I'm telling you what I think is right. There'll be people who may well see this and think he's talking out of his act. But um, everything I do, I factor in price-wise. I run it. It's like a business. I have to run it like a business because um, um, otherwise I'm losing money. What's the point of that. So um, I factor in the fact that I'm going to spend 40 quid on that green room. I factor in that I'm going to spend fuel going to the train station to pick up um, a comedian. Um, um, If they can't get back, I've already checked that they can't get back. Uh, Is there accommodation available at my house with me and my wife? Or do they not feel comfortable staying with me? If my wife, my wife's in the military, she works away sometimes. So I, 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 I that is out in the open, upfront, way before, and say, "Oh, you're welcome to stay with me. There will be me and another comedian there if you want to stay." Well, some women don't want to go and stay with a bloke they've never met before. So um, I, I, I look at alternatives. Um, whether whether that's accommodation in a local bed and breakfast, or I'll ask one of the other male comedians to stay, so that it's not. They're not along with me. I mean, I'm tr- people trust me, so so it's, it's never really an issue. But um, um, all those things matter when you're booking somebody. Um, it makes them feel comfortable, and and you manage their expectations from the point that I make contact to book them. That is when I am making them feel comfortable and safe, and I'm being genuine about what I'm doing. I pay, I pay as much as I can pay. If I have a good night, I always up the fees. So um, it's a nice surprise to be able to walk into a green room and say, "Oh, brilliant night, guys!" Um, I'll be able to give each of you an extra thirty quid because I've had a good night. Um, I, I, you know, I'm not greedy. If I, I, I'd rather do that, knowing I've still made some money and more money than I expected. Um, I'd rather do that, um, just so they, they, it just they walk away and tell people. So if they get two bookings come in and they think, oh. I said, Darren, it was hard work and I didn't like it and I didn't get treated very well. But Jim Owens asked me, I'm going to go and do Jim Owenski. They don't don't cancel on me because it builds brand loyalty. I don't get many cancellations and comics. Some comics will cancel for an extra 50 quid somewhere else. I don't get that. That doesn't happen to me. I get cancellations because they're going on telly or or whatever, which is brilliant. I congratulate them. Um, But, um, yeah, look after them. Look after your audience
0: and it should, um, it should be a little easier. Well, and how many shows do you run as a whole? Because it sounds like you run hundreds. Um, <laughs> I, had, um, I had 19 venues around the UK
1: prior to the pandemic. Um, slowly but surely, they're, they're all coming back online. There's a couple who are um, undecided because they, they, they say that they're, they're, they're not sure they want to risk money on live entertainment at this stage so i'm working with those to say look you know maybe we do it this way maybe we do it that way let's find a way of putting a show on but it might be that i for the one-off show i will i will um work with them and say look let's 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 lower the risk for you let's load a bit of the risk for me uh, and i was about this as a proposal and then say, oh, okay well if that's the case let's do it that way but i'll say i need you to work your ass off to fill that room you know, when you do that for me, then it'll be worthwhile me taking that risk. If I come to, you know, if I'm constantly coming to you and there's nothing happening or we're not selling tickets, you know, I've I've took on a big risk, which I can't keep doing. So um, so I'm currently working with some venues there. The, as things are starting to open up, there, the focus isn't necessarily on live entertainment. It's the 17th of May and being able to open up again. So um, but I'm confident uh, I'm working with. Uh, I won't go into too many details, but I've got three of the projects in the offing that potentially could add a chunk of extra gigs. So, um, watch this space, I guess. But, um, um, yeah, I've currently 19 venues, uh, always looking for more. <laughs>
0: In regards, how, how do you sort of balance that sort of, as you say, the dedication making sure the shows go well with that many things without the quality being diluted? The um,
1: Because because I'm working, I know on, on all of those, I'm working with good people, so there's an elements of reliance upon the venue. To Some of these shows, though, are venues that I hire, so it's all down to me, so I can focus uh, some of my energy. But I, I, I get people involved as people, audience members, who are constantly... Uh, I've had I've had two messages come in now about a show that's on the 9th of July that um, I've seen the sort of message quickly pop up who've, who've just... They just messaged me and say we've got a party of 16, can we all sit together? So that's great, uh, because I'll give him a discount on that. Instead of paying £13 a ticket, I'll charge them £11 a ticket or something. So that's basically me buying the first round of drinks for him. Um, and, and just simple things like that were... Um, because he's made the effort and I said, get me a block booking of over a certain number and I'll do your discount. They've gone and done that. If I do that with five people at 15 tickets, 75 tickets I've sold just through incentivizing five people to go and do that. So you find these people in your gigs and you, and I talk to people a lot at the gig. Once you find these people and say, Oh, I could do I'm I'm not proud to say I could really do it with some more people here, you know, um, Maybe if you can get a party of ten next time, ten people bring ten people. have got you You've got hundred people in your room, and, and if I'm happy, and if I do my budget based on the tickets being twelve pound and not thirteen pound, and I'm giving them a quid discount, that's and I, and I just say I'll give you your first. I tell you what, I'll, I'll, if you get ten people here, I'll buy you your first round of drinks for free. Well, if I if I'm doing the bar and I've gone all sell for that. It's cost me a tender to buy them round of drinks, but they've gone and done all the work and got those people to come to my show. So um, I, I really, I, I have people in every audience that uh, I work closely with. I'm constantly, takes a lot of time for me to be in contact and just send a little message saying, I are oh, you doing, can't wait for the show. We well, verbally they're messaging me saying, can't wait for the show, Jim. Da, 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 da. And when I'm putting, when I'm putting my social media out there in, in these local areas, um, they're sharing it They're liking it I run little competitions To help incentivize people All, all sorts of stuff um, uh, I've pretty much got a competition For two tickets at every show um, And either I give the money to a local charity Which helps because the charity will do that And will also promote my show for me uh, And out of that They might get 150 quid on the night Just because I've given two free tickets To another show uh, So there's loads of ways That you can use the people Your loyal fans at a show I had people come come back That's crazy. Came back from holiday a day early because of a show I had in Cheshire, and and it's like it's like are you are you nuts? And they said no, we love the show so much we didn't want to miss it, so we decided to cut our holiday short by a day.
0: Bloody hell! I mean, yeah. I, I want to hear more about this story because this sounds bloody intriguing.
1: There was it was uh, it was the show where we had um, John Thompson on up in uh, Sandbach.
0: And uh, they flew, they flew
1: back from Spain, uh, and they said we changed our flights so that we uh, we arrived back from Sp- in Manchester Airport in the morning. Quickly got home, had a bite to eat uh, and a bit of a rest, and then um, and then came to the show. Um, and they said the lineup was was insane. We've never missed a show. We love it. We want to support you. Da, 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 da. And uh, they turned up with about three minutes to spare. But out of that, because they did that. Um, I got them downstairs in the green room. They, they had photographs taken with John Thompson. Um, and that was a great lineup. Danny McLaughlin emceed that show. Um, Raymond and Mr. Timkin's review closed it. Um, John did middle it. And Harry um, um, Stikini opened it. So it was a great, great lineup and um, sold out 260 tickets at Sandbatch Turnall. And uh, yeah. That's what people will do for you, um, and that's what people will do. They take flyers around for me. They put posters up for me. They're constantly sharing it on social media. Every time they come to a show, they bring a group of people with them. They don't ask for. She's a business lady, so she doesn't ask for any discount on tickets. No, 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 no. You're a business, Jim. And she, she's the most she's ever brought to one show was 22 people. At 12.50 a ticket, you know what I mean? It, it's just, and and you find these people. Uh, Sandbatch is a great show. There's about six or seven of them in that that audience that do that. Um, and, and that's just because I invest time in it. I'll buy them a drink occasionally or I'll chat to them. I'll go out my way to talk to them. If there's a specific comedian they're there to see, I will get them down to say hello to the comedian. And those small things, that attention to detail again, means that they have such loyalty. The messages I'm getting about when are you coming back, when are
0: you coming back, when are you coming back um, from every venue is, is just insane. How do you create? Because uh, I spoke to an email marketing experts podcast, and they said um, they said email marketing is a bit like a relationship, like like a like a girlfriend and boyfriend relationship. That's what they treat email marketing as.
1: Okay, um, <laughs> I, I would never profess to be an expert in marketing. I only know what works for me. But I, I, I again use. Um, Anybody who buys online, I, I use that information. But I'm I, I'm very mindful that if I, because I know what I do. If I'm getting an email off a company every single day, I I shin them off. I get rid of that. I unsubscribe. So um, I just make sure that I send a generic email to everybody who's bought tickets and so just include all the shows I've got going on. Really, more than targeted. If I'm struggling for a show and I want more people, I can go into my ticket platform, get all the and and. and just send them all and say, guys, we need your help. Can you come along? Da, 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 da. And I will do that when I'm launching all these new shows coming out of pandemics. But um, I, I I, I, tend to look at it as to how I would feel. Uh, and, and, and I certainly don't spam email people, but I, I do email occasionally. I email them about my live online shows because all all the tickets are free for the online shows. But it's just nice to have an idea of how many people are going to be tuning in necessarily. And it gets their, their email address so that when I start to launch
0: shows, I can send stuff on it. Um, what so one thing i've noticed another thing going on with a lot of nights is that there's no community aspect there's no what's it called there's no relationship with the comedians or the audience or even the venue there's nothing there it's like sometimes i've seen it where someone would do a show once it's over, they leave the venue straight away, and it's their own show. They don't talk to the bar staff or the, the venue, and they don't talk to the crowd. And then bim, bum, bush.
1: I think I think the difference with me is people. A lot of people wrongly assume I'm a comedian, and I, I've not, and I've never, I've never, uh, I've never even attempted to be. Um, and there's a very good reason why, um, why I don't, because that's not my skill set. That's not what I do. I do what I'm good at. Um, so I stick to that. So I'm always there. It, I think I think it matters. I, I think it matters. Some comedians leave, of course, but they've got travel requirements and and, and stuff like that. Any young new comedian that I that, that 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 attends the show, I would I would advise that they they hang around, and I'd advise younger around because you can always learn from the people around you. It's difficult on an open mic circuit because obviously you're 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 in a pond full of fish um, of varying standards. And uh, it's difficult to know who you should and shouldn't learn off, but that's it. So I would um, a, a tip that I would give anybody who's new to this business is do what I did when I was learning this business. I just went to shows. And if you get wind of a show that is bad, I learned more from those shows than I did the good shows. So I went to some car crash shows, one in London particularly, which I was told was probably one of the worst shows on the circuit. I specifically went down to London for that show. And I, I, I went in there and then, um, um, the following night I was, um, I'd done the comedy store loads of times, but that's a purpose built venue for comedy. Oh, it should be delivered the night before. Um, it was an old jungler's venue, uh, and it was horrendous. Oh, <laughs> um, so, um, I, I, um, and I learned so much from being in there, but, comedian friends said, you've got to go there. You've got to go and see it because if you don't, you've got to see the best and the worst as well. You'd no point just going to the comedy store or or to a glee club or something like that. You've got to go and see these really bad shows and and you don't have to be a big brand. I've seen some brilliant, brilliant shows. um, um, In, um, in smaller venues, the the, uh, last laugh at the Lescar in Sheffield is a brilliant little venue. Um, so, yeah, you 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 just, because they do it properly, if you if you find the right venue that does it properly, it's a, it's a joy to be around. But hang around those venues, pick up little tips. I went to one venue and picked one thing up that I liked. And as a result of that, I do it at every one of my shows. Now, there's a lot I didn't like, but I saw one thing uh, and, I, and I liked it. So, um, yeah, and that's how I just built up the picture. When I started comedy, and it's Comedy Hotspot, had a seven-month journey from becoming a public uh, – be, before coming in a company and being registered at company's House to the first show, seven-month gap. And that was purposeful because I needed – I did not want to be learning on the job. Uh, and I was in a fortunate enough position where I was earning money from the corporate world. So I spoke with comedians. What, what do you want to see when you get booked? When you turn up at a venue – when I book you, what do you want to see? When you turn up at a venue, what do you want to see? When you're at a venue, um, what do you want and expect from that venue? What are your, what are your aspirations in terms of fee? Um, how do you want paying? When do you want paying? Um, what is your attitude towards the shows being filmed? I, I had a list of stuff, and I didn't just go to one comedian and ask their opinion. I went to, I think it was nine or ten comedians, all friends, all people who I trusted, uh, all people that I got to know from doing that RAF tour. Of of um, shows, and I didn't just do my own show on that tour, by the way, because I wanted to be the best. I went to other RAF shows to see how they did it, and I became an advisor for a national company on how to deliver comedy across the the RAF estate. As a result of that, and um, I wrote a document where 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 where, um, where people in the industry said nothing nothing like that has ever been done before. That is as in depth a document as I've ever seen about putting on a brilliant comedy show, and um and and I i'm teetering with the idea of, of publishing that but um i'm giving all my secrets away so i'm not I can, uh, do i don't know yeah. um uh, and then when i knew everything was in place what what light should i use what sound system should i use what microphones should i use you know so i you, you google microphones you can pick a microphone up for a tenner but you can also pick pay a thousand pound for a microphone you know so i i, I wanted to know that Spoken word mics are different to singing mics and stuff like that, which I didn't know at the time. So I did all this research, getting the right lights, getting the right spots, how should I sit um it, um, creating walk-on music, creating voiceovers to launch show, All this stuff was in place. So when show one happened for the Royal Navy HMS Drake on the 1st of June um, that year, it was as though we'd been doing it for 20 years. It was absolutely flawless. I like had four comedians who helped me massively. Um, I must admit, um, uh, I got very well paid for that show, but I made sure they got very well paid for it as well, um, because they helped deliver that. And um, and because of that, we, um, we launched without having to learn on the hoof. We, 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 everybody was like, wow, blown away, wow. Um, and that's that's why we did that seven months. So preparation um, is is. I'm ex-military though, so you'd expect me to plan and prepare. Um, so it just it's just the way I am. If um, if you're going to do something, it has to be right. And and then what will go wrong? And think about what will go wrong and avoid it. Hence having two cables for my soundboard. It, um, I've got spare mics. I've got I, I've I take all this equipment. It'd be easy just to say I just need one mic stand, one microphone, one lead so board some speakers lights whatever but i don't i take everything i've got so that i know if something goes wrong
0: i can react to it hmm. but do you, do you believe in the law of attraction or the nlp stuff as well do you plan for that or you just sort of think like right, this or do you go backwards is that your method so you look at what what's going to be a good show and what's what's going to get in the way of that
1: um when I'm in a room, I can see I can see where my problems. are. I, 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 it's easy for me to walk into a room and think um, that's where the stage will be. Um, or invariably, the, they'll tell you, or we always. If you have a band in here, where do they set up? And they'll say, "Oh, over there." So that tells me that there's a lot of plugs over there. If a band had been there, then there's going to be a lot of plugs over there. Might not be what I want, though. So I might find somewhere else and think, "All oh, right, we need some plug socket. Or what? What extension leads do I have? Is there a way I can do that there?" Um, so, so sometimes you go going to village hall gigs I, I love doing because um, everything's there. You've got a stage and it's the curtains and you've got a green room at the back and everything's just there. And then I put two lights in the main room and two speakers in the main room, set the chairs up and we're, we're good to go. Um, so so it, it's, it depends on the venue, really. You go into a theatre, they're, they're geared up for delivering entertainment. So it's just how I'm going to fit into that Um and 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 invariably, a good theatre will say, "Well, use all our sound system. You just plug a mic lead into that, to the stand, and uh, and yeah, and good. that'll be that." And then when I'm launching with music or whatever, I'll have my iPad or just off stage. It, 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 each one is different, but um, so so you can do it in any any sort of way really. But if you know you've got that ultimate vision as to what good looks like, once you know what good looks like. When I'm in a room, I, there's about 15 things that I would say are must-haves. You, you, you're going to struggle, unless it's a purpose-built comedy club, to find those 15 things. Um, but you can do it with 10, 11, or maybe 12. But so, so, somebody said to me, so why just not have a list of 10? I said, because then I'll do it with eight. Because I'll compromise that I've only got eight of the 10. And then all of a sudden, well, it was 15. I'm now doing it with just eight of those things. Um, so so everything has got to be as perfect as it can be. I'm not. You, you can still do stuff. I'm My first show back is in a 1,200-seat venue as a socially distanced gig at uh, the Embassy Theatre in Skegness. I normally do it in the VIP lounge, which holds 130. Now, I've said this is going to be difficult because we somehow have to create atmosphere in a room that is massive. But I'm already working with them on how we can do that. So we're not even going to do the show on the stage. They've got a, they've got a, a, a flat space in front of the stage. So, so we'll close the curtains. We'll do it down, down low so that we're, we're closer to the audience as it is. Um, there's some curtains that we can use to divide uh, certain areas. There's a couple of dividers that we're going to put in certain places. So all of a sudden, we're compacting this space. Now, we might sell 600 tickets. I'm not sure we will. But um, if we only get 150 in there um we will work out now we're we're doing the show a because they've been given arts council funding to start delivering shows so they really want to show on but aware that there's some compromises to be made i'm aware if i was ultimately stubborn and said nah it's not for me they'll go and get somebody else to do it so if they're going to do it they might as well do it as best as it can possibly be done we're aware that it's probably not going to be perfect but um we've made some compromises that, that, that will hopefully end up uh, as, as still a great show, but um, it's rare that I will make compromises, but because they've got our, our funding and they've guaranteed my fees for that show that uh, I, I'm going ahead and doing that. So, um, but it's all down to what you say yes and no to just because it's a room and they want to do comedy is not licensed to put a gig in there. Um, there's so many things you need to make sure the right, the attitude of the owners that the room is right, set the room up, get some chairs out, and they'll say, oh, we've got 100 people in here. Well, prove it. Show me. It, that's 100 people for the band. This is how I want it setting up for comedy. Uh, and uh, let's set it up and say, oh, we've only got 60 in hmm. um,
0: um
1: Don't take anybody at the word. Just just check, 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 research, 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 and then you'll be able to um, very quickly find out if the room is right or not. And, uh, and then once you know... So I know exactly how I want my stage to look because I've, got, I've invested money, the best part of a £1,000 on the equipment that just sits on the stage for the show. And then, um, and, and, you know, the sound quality needs to be right. Um, you know, no point having a great setup if the sound is crap um, or if the lighting's not good. It, you've just really got to focus on all these areas um, and get it right for... What, and, and, and if you're in a small room in a, in, at the back of a bar, that's fine. Make sure you, your equipment is still good. You know, don't compromise because you think, I've been to a gig where they've not even had a microphone. And it's just people standing in the corner talking, telling jokes while there's people just talking in a room. And you just think, well, nobody's even listening. And there's only four people officially here for the comedy. And there's these people just wandering in and out. And, it, and, and it's demoralizing for the people. Nobody gets anything out of that. Um, certainly not the comedians. Um, and, and whoever's organized it probably didn't. Get anything out of it either, and um, so um yeah, just make sure it's right. If it's not right, don't do it. That's what I would say.
0: Now, I think that's a sage bit of wisdom that every promoter should take on
1: there. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's it, uh, yeah, it does. It does. I'm. I'm. Ne- I, it, it's hard not to to look around when you're at somebody else's gig. I'm if they ask my advice, and I'm not, I don't want to sound pretentious and saying that we should ask his advice, but if but people, people do, then I, I, I am absolutely honest and genuine and will give it um, in, in a nice and structured way. Um, you know, I don't just say oh, that's rubbish, I won't do that. Um, you know, I, I'm constructive with how I deliver that, but um. Well, then, I, then, part of me thinks I'm consulting it, and I'm giving consultant to see away for free. <laughs> so, so I, I never just go in and offer stuff. And say, "Oh, I wouldn't do it that way. I wouldn't do it this way." If people ask, I'm happy to help. If, um, um, if it becomes bigger than that, so I had a large organisation want me to um, tell them um, how to put comedy in multiple venues. Well, mm. guess what? You're going to permit that, and they did. They did permit, um, and so I did it. Um, if there is a, um, if there is somebody who wanted to learn and develop, uh, and genuinely wanted to learn and develop, um, I would, I would definitely help someone. Um, I'm, I'm a busy guy, so I, I couldn't offer help to like hundreds of people. But for the right person and somebody who I thought was interested, um, I, I would genuinely offer help and support. I'd go to their nights. I'd help them set up i'd tell them how i would do it i would encourage them to come to my shows help me set up so they can see how i work and do what i do i'd, I'd do also i'd do stuff like that um, if they're a comedian uh, and want want to uh, help along the ladder my the, the best advice i would give would be to watch watch the pros go and watch them introduce yourself to comedians and even better maybe befriend a comedian of a, of a lofty level uh, and ask them if they will mentor you and support you. There are comedians out there that do that, uh, that will take you under their wing and will will give you brutal feedback. Um, but that's what you need. That's what you need. Um, and um, and will 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 we'll listen to new material. They will advise. They'll advise on delivery. So I know I know two that, that that are, are, are well known comedians on the circuit that that do do that. Um, I wouldn't necessarily give their names out because I wouldn't want them to get bombarded. No,
0: <laughs> They would.
1: <laughs> so um but but that would be my advice. is pick somebody who who you know ask questions, go in green rooms and ask questions. Do well, I just go in the green room, make sure you've got permission to go in there. But once you're in there, just people, comics will help out. comics. there are some assholes out there, but there are some good people out there as well. Uh, any walk of life you go to, you get that 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 makeup of people, you get good and not so good. So um, yeah. go and speak to people and learn. And if they don't, if they're not prepared to help you, then that tells you everything you need to know about that specific individual. And um, um, and that's, that's how I operate. Anybody approach me and ask me for help with anything, I tend to. If they stick me in the eye with a blunt instrument, then I'd probably not help them again. But um, genuinely, I'm open arms. Uh, if anybody wants to um, approach me for help, I would I would consider helping.
0: But they've also got a, like these boundaries that they've got to they've got to yeah. do it the right, right sort of yeah, way. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I don't I don't want to end up with a stalker. <laughs> you know, oh, it's not it's not a common problem do. being a comedy promoter, but um, <laughs> um, I've not got cues of groupies hanging out the back backstage door, but. Um, but no, I, I, as, as long as it didn't get get too much. But I'm I'm hey, I'm I'm a big bloke. I can I can tell people enough, you know. Um, you know I we've took this as far as we want to go, you know. And and the moment they set up a gig next to one of mine, you know, I'm gonna have an issue. So so um, it, it treat me the way you want me to treat you, and then we're, we're we're super cool. We're super cool. I'm one of the nicest guys you'll you'll ever meet until. Until you meet me in a different way, yeah. And then I'm not, I'm not particularly well. I just, I, I, I just drop people like a hot potato, and and, and I just ignore them. To be honest, I've not got time for negative energy in my life. It's, uh, so you know, you're only here once, and I'm not going to waste it on on negativity. So I'll just focus on good things. Yeah. Um, but but yes, and I do, I have offered help and support to um, a number of people, even comedians that. That have sent me stuff and showreels and asked my opinion on stuff and uh, I've been and seen them. Um, um, and sometimes, you know, that's my perspective as a promoter, not as a professional comedian. Um, I will, I will, I will absolutely do that. But um, my skill set is as a um, as a promoter, so I could, that's easy for me to advise on. But I don't, you know, and I want to, I want to get involved with. I don't have an open mic night and I don't have a new material night. Uh, and I, but I want I want to have both of those um, because I think it's important. Whilst I do bring people through the ranks, and there are some people who I've used and put on stages that people have raised their eyebrows and go, "Where did where did you find her?" And I say, "Well, I went my way to see her, and I thought she was brilliant, so that's why I book her." Um, <laughs> and um, and those individuals have got more work as a result of, 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 of that. Um, so um I do like to go and see comedy. Um invite me along. If somebody lives near me in Lincolnshire, invite me along because I do go.
0: Yeah. I do go.
1: I've been as far as Kings Lynn uh on a round trip. I stay in London overnight when I go to London, but um I'll travel. I've Leicester, I go to Leicester and Birmingham to see people. Um I'll I, I genuinely generally, if I can, I'll go and see people.
0: Um yeah. I think to everyone listening to this, make sure you give Jim a free <laughs> three-course meal. You give him free drinks. Give him a hotel room.
1: <laughs> yeah. Just just uh, a nice, friendly welcome is um, is good. And uh, and there's no substitute for enthusiasm. If I feel as though I'm wasting my time in anything I do, I tend not to stick around for long. Um, it's interesting when you... There's a in and, and, and something slightly different to this I was helping a couple of people, and the attitude of the two people was were were polar opposites were um both approached me for helping something yet when you started to deliver i there's no point flaring it up so i I, I just said look you know i don't think I'm being rude or anything i'm just going to hit you with a lot of stuff and um and, and, and happy to discuss anything that i say. um and uh, so you 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 put it out there, and it's like, mm, yeah. oh yeah, that makes sense. And then they don't do it, and then you just think, I you, you've asked my opinion on on how to get your name out there a little better, and I've given you some advice on that, and you've not followed any of it though, I know, but the other comedian that approached me has, and um, and and their their Facebook likes have jumped up six hundred in the last month.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Um how did that happen? <laughs> and then they, they they come back to me and say, "Oh, it's not working. It's not working." I said, "But I'm keeping my eye on what you're doing, and you're not doing what I've asked you to do." So, um, if you do the things that I initially I said that I advised that you you should do, and you know, and bear in mind, I give you that advice for free. Um, and if I see you doing them, I can maybe help. Out, you know, that it still amazes me that comedians will send me show reels of something that they did in 1994, and and I think mate come on that's nearly 30 years old why are you sending me that i've got nothing from 2020 or um you know it's reflect it's it people who want to get noticed and booked just need to be a little more creative with how they do that if they've got a website make sure it's up to date they've not got 2019 gig dates still on that or you know get professional photographs done don't put photographs off your phone onto a website you know the Wix websites are all high, but they're pretty basic, and people know that you've spent a little money on it. Um, this is your image. This is your profile. I I, I spent a lot of money on my website. Now, some people may be able to pick fault with it. but. Um... Oh, sorry, I just got distracted. There's a, um, a bird of prey just killed a pigeon in my garden. It's <laughs> 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 all
0: oh, happening here. It's they- all happening important. here. <laughs> <Yeah>. So... <Ooh. laughs>
1: So yeah, it's oh it's all kicking off. There we go. So anyway. Um so uh, so yeah, so that you know, just just showcase yourself. Would you would you um would you buy would you buy a sofa based on a, a 27-year-old photograph of a sofa? No. Of course you wouldn't. Um w- you know, you'd buy a sofa based on on having seen that sofa. So, you know be seen invite promoters to come and see you if the promoter can't be bothered then it's to tell you a lot about them and their gigs if they can't be bothered ask a promoter can you come along to their gig and introduce yourself um offer to give a, a lift to a pro comic to a gig hmm. and and then to approach the pro- promoter and say is there any chance i could do five minutes
0: well i just want to say yeah uh, thank you for coming on the podcast i hope it's okay I hope it's been fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I enjoy
1: talking about what I do. It's um, um, I could talk for hours and hours and hours. I could write two hundred pages on this stuff. It's um, um, but even now I still look for new ways of doing things. And I and 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 that's that's just the thing, really. If um, I think the the, the message would be, prepare, research, plan. Don't take chances. Don't compromise your own qualities uh and standards for others um and uh, yeah sh- give me a shout if you want me to come and see you give me a shout if you think i can help
0: you in any way i might say no but i might say yes you might get lucky and i might say yes um and for those that want to get lucky and you say yes how do they contact you on twitter facebook social media website
1: oh so, so- social media i'm um... a number and no, i'm joking <laughs> um, I've uh, I've got a web a, a page on um, Facebook is Comedy Hotspot. Um, you'll know it because of my logo, um, Jim Outh on Facebook. But I tend I tend not to accept too many friend requests from people who I don't know. I get a lot of friend requests, but um, I'm on Instagram uh, as well as Twitter. But I don't use Twitter that much. Uh, my email address is jim at comedy hotspot.co.uk but you can also find that on my website which is www.comedyhotspot.co.uk um and that's about it really my phone number's on there but i prefer people not to phone me mainly because i live in the middle of nowhere um yeah. and uh my phone signal's awful so i i tend not to answer it unless
0: i know who it is and if it's from america it'll be very expensive <laughs> yeah yeah and one more thing I want to ask is what shows do you have coming recently? So you mentioned that, that you've got a socially distant show. Like, give some details to that. Yeah,
1: so uh, I have a show at the Emerson Theatre in Skegness on the 11th of July, uh, June, if that's a Friday. I'm doing this from memory now. Um, that's a brilliant, brilliant lineup. That's um, Keris Nelms, Jerry Kay, um, Danny Postel and um, Troy Hawk. That's good. So, so that's a great lineup. My next show after that is an outdoor show, which um, which will be okay. Um, I, I'm, I'd rather be in buildings than outside, but um, um, that's at, uh, in Boston, and that is another great lineup. That's Dave Longley, um, Rory O'Hanlon, Jeff Norcott, and Alistair Barry doing that. Um, that's twenty fifth of June, and then. I'm into July. Then where I've got Friday night in near Lincoln, Dunstan Village Hall, um, and then Saturday I'm doing a launch show um, at Sutton on Trent Football Club. Um, again, another great lineup. Um, may have somebody who's been on TV wants to try some tour material headlining that. So um, we, I can't announce who that is just yet. Okay, we're just waiting me. for our confirmation, but. But that—that's de- that's definitely a TV name that could be launching that in a in a football club that seats 120 people. So, um, um, But again, a high-profile name prepared to come and do something um, for a lot less money than they ordinarily would because I'm helping him out by giving him 25 minutes of being able to roll out some tour material. So. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. And nice. then all over the UK after that. Well, guys, if you fancy a laugh and you want to know about comedy contact Jim Yes Don't all
1: contact me at once sir.
0: Yeah, don't, <laughs> he's got enough already <laughs> Well uh, yeah. best of luck with everything Jim and Thank hopefully you. I'll speak to you soon and let me know what you think of the episode when it's out
1: Yes, let me know when it's out and uh, I can uh, spread the word <music>